turning your attention to the book of Exodus chapter 3. And uh, it's the story of the revelation of God as he meets with Moses. And uh, Moses was 80 years of age. And um, everybody thought he was all washed up. I met this afternoon a man of 85, Tom Houston, a man who used to uh, be uh, the head of the Lausanne Committee, a man who was head of World Vision for, for a while and was a senior pastor of a Baptist church in Nairobi, 85 years, and he sprang up the stairs like a 20-year-old, a little, little while longer to get down again, but at, and just thought, this man so vibrant, and he was quizzing me, just had a few minutes together before our church board meeting, and he was quizzing me, so you do the cell vision, do you do it this way, do you do that, what about this, what about this, question after question, raise a sharp mind, 85 years of age. So there's hope for our 60-year-olds. Amen and amen. Somebody sent me an email, said, don't keep telling everybody you're 60, you look in your late 40s. So I wrote back and said, how late? <laughs> but you know, it's about being renewed in the Holy Spirit. God, give us strength to do all that He's called us to do. Whether we're young, whether we're old, God is with us. So let me sketch the background to this story before we come into it. I want to be completely free tonight. I don't feel the need to complete my whole study and to do everything that's written in front of me because we're listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. But uh, tonight's message, I focused on this message, which is a familiar one for me. It's one of my favorite topics. I'm focusing on it because of what the Holy Spirit, I believe, dropped into my heart earlier today about our Sunday evening services. But let me sketch you the background and we'll bring it all together. Moses was very clearly a man of destiny. He was born in a hostile environment in the land of Egypt. Another Pharaoh had arisen that did not know Joseph and favor the people of God and began to persecute them. And uh, one of the things was they were frightened of how quickly multiplying, how quickly the children of Israel are multiplying. They're going to take over. They're going to run over this land. So we better, we better deal with that. So they ordered all the firstborn, all the, all the male children to be exposed, to be killed. And when Moses was born, his parents said, oh, what a beautiful child. We're not going to let that happen. And it was more than just parents doting naturally over their child. It was God's hand upon Moses preserving him. Anyway, Moses was rescued and he's brought up finally in the house of Pharaoh. And, and then when he's around 40 years of age, he discovered who he was. And he took the matter into his own hands and said, I'm going to be a deliverer of my people. And he tried it. It didn't work. And he had to run away. He was fearful. He ran right away 40 years around the other side of the desert, 40 years in obscurity. First 40 years thinking he was somebody. The next 40 years, realizing he was nobody, and now the last 40 years, God was going to show him what God can do with a nobody. How many nobodies do we have here tonight? Have you discovered that already? Don't ever try to be a somebody. Be a nobody. Be a nobody that Jesus can use. Be a nothing into which Jesus can pour his everything. Amen and amen. And all this revolution turned around the revelation of God's name. There will be no revolution in your life until the revelation comes. Moses had never met with God. That was the problem. He had destiny, had good ideas. Something was happening in his life, 
but he had not yet met with God, and God was going to meet with him. So let's pick up this story, Exodus chapter 3, and it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I'll now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take off your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Anointed deliverer. That's who you are. Now I'm talking about Moses. Why talk about Moses? I want to talk about you and talk about me. That's why it's written here that we can gain something. Anointed deliverer. That's who you are. That same call was upon Moses. It's upon your life. Because God has heard the cry of those who are oppressed in your office. Oppressed in your community. Laboring, languishing under the lash of Satan's whip. Experiencing the bondage and servitude. The slavery of the master. The evil master that wants to dominate the lives of people and destroy them and, and rob them of their destiny. And God says, church, I have called you to rise up with the spirit and anointing of freedom and break the heavy yoke. Now, how do we go about this? What to me is so wonderful is the lesson that Moses learned. Because there's a right way and a wrong way of responding to the call of God. I want you to notice that in the first phase of Moses' attempt to rise to his destiny, he made several mistakes. Number one, he acted 
without the Lord. You might have a good idea, but unless it's a God idea, it ain't a good idea. Good ideas are no good. Only the God ideas. And so Moses had to learn to hear the voice of God. He acted without the initiative of the Lord. Even Jesus said the Son can do nothing of himself. He takes no initiative of, on his own. doesn't mean to make him inferior. The Son is in submission to the Father, not in subordination, in submission. Because the Father has the priority. He is the great initiator. He is the Father of all things. And so even Jesus, as the Son, he did not take it upon himself to decide what to do. He said, I cannot do and will not do anything other than I've first seen my Father do it. I am following the voice of my Father. And that is the secret of all ministry. The ministry team, we tell you over and over again, and I'm going to visit with you very soon because I want to refresh you and revive you in this stuff. It's never about you deciding what you're going to do. It's always about asking the Father, what is He going to do? And how does He want you to pray? How does He want you to minister? And Moses had lost it all. He had acted without the Lord. There was no instructions. But more importantly, there was no revelation of God. He carried no revelation. Whenever we stand before people, they're going to look at us and say, what revelation of God do you bring? Now, even the people who don't yet know Jesus will ask that question. They may not have the theological terminology. But they will ask that, say, well, who are you? What, are you? what have you got? And you know, even people who have never yet met Christ or walked with Christ, they recognize those who have. They recognize those who carry the revelation of God, who carry the knowledge of God. I want to ask you a deep and personal and penetrating question tonight. Are you ready for it? Hear me. Here's the question. What revelation of God do you carry? When you carry revelation, that knowledge goes with you. What revelation of God do you carry? And for this, the answer lies in how have you met with God? You know, we have a habit here, good practice in our church. Every new believer, every person who, who joins with us, we want you to go away for a weekend encounter to meet with God. Best done out of the city. Just get out of the place. Go somewhere quiet. Anang Court, our encounter center, is idyllic for this. And, uh, you know, switch off the mobile phones. Suffer withdrawal symptoms. Be quiet. Hear the birds sing and let God speak to you. And for every one of us as leaders, we go for a leader's encounter at least once every year. We call it the MOT, the annual MOT. We need constantly to be meeting with God. Don't ever cut short your encounter time with God. No knowledge of God. And also as yet, he had no understanding of his ways. You know, if you don't know somebody, you don't know their ways. Amanda and I, where's Amanda sitting tonight? Where's Amanda? There's Amanda. We've been married many years now. How many years have we been married? 1979, so it makes it 34 years. 35 next year. Bless God. What is it? Pearls, we've done that. 35. Is that rubies? Is 35 ruby? You don't know, do you? 
What? 30, I think it's Ruby's 35. I'll check it out. But anyway, I'm starting to save my money now. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and until you actually spend time with somebody, until you live with somebody, you don't know who they are. You unmarried people, let that not scare you. Because when God brings you together, it's going to be okay. All right. But when you get to know somebody, then you get to know their ways. Amanda knows my ways. I don't let everything, you know, she's still got a few things to discover, but got to keep some mystery. Don't think that it's just the women who are mysterious to the men. Us men, women, they have no understanding. They have no idea. That's what makes life so exciting. But anyway, you know, some of the things she does know. She knows how I like my tea. And I'm very fussy over tea. Isn't that right? Okay, I think this is getting a bit too close for comfort. I'm going to use another illustration. I'm going to move away from that. But here's the point. Moses didn't know the ways of God. He had some good ideas. He knew he was a person of destiny. And maybe that's you tonight. I hope it's you. Because you are all men and women of destiny. God has a purpose for your life. He didn't put you on this planet to leave no impression, to have no impact, to make no mark. He put you here to make a difference. And the difference you make is the difference that is you. The uniqueness that is you. Only you can leave a you mark. You can't leave a me mark. You can only leave a you mark. Amen? And the glory of God is reflected in His image in our lives uniquely with every person, every individual, every individual person with their own makeup, their own personality. The you that God made you that is nobody but you. That you is a person of destiny. Be affirmed. Under the mighty hand of God, he has a purpose and a calling for your life, a destiny for your life. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. So we are a church of destiny. And this is our vision, our mission, that you would come into contact with your destiny and you would rise to your high call in Christ. And we are here to equip you. But you need a revelation of God because it's not enough just to know you are a man and woman of destiny. You need to meet with the God of destiny so that you might know his ways by which you walk in his destiny and fulfill his destiny. And there is no one size fits all in this. It's unique. So Moses hadn't come to any of these things. Oh, yes, there was a time, Psalms 103 verse 7, it says, God made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. Oh, there was a time. <laughs> Moses, from this moment onwards, began to get to know God. And there came a time when all of the children of Israel were able to see the external acts of God. But Moses, who worked these miracles, Moses, who was used by God as an instrument in God's hands, Moses didn't see the, just see the acts. Moses was used by God to bring them about. I want to be one of those kind of people. I don't want to be just the kind of people that watch things happen. I don't want to be that kind of person, the kind of person who just watches things happen. I don't want to be the kind of person who wakes up morning and asks what happened. I want to be a kind of person under God who makes them happen. 
manifestation of God's power in your family. Manifestation of God's power in your workplace. To be a man and a woman of wisdom and of authority wherever you are, wherever he places you. Because you are a person of destiny and you've spent time to know his ways. Now in the very beginning, Moses acted out of a general sense of call, but with no clear or real revelation of God. He didn't know God's motivation. He did, had no knowledge of God's plan or God's purpose, and certainly no knowledge of God's timing. People, that is a big one. I trip up on this over and over again, and I don't know whether I've really learned my lessons yet. But to get the timing wrong is a disaster. You can do the right thing at the wrong time. Disaster. Always wait on God for the timing. You know, what I get sometimes is so strong. It's, it's present. I get the prophetic present. God is. This is what God is doing. And that's so real to me. But I've got to take a step back and say, God is your is, our is. You get me? What's your timing here? And there's always timing. And this is why I, I smile to myself sometimes when I hear people talk about the things that God has said. God said this to me this morning, and by actually in coffee break, he said that. And by lunchtime, he'd said this. Sometimes the things that God says to me takes years. Years. I mean, I can't, I have words which are waiting on God for, which are years. Let me give you one. I'll give you an example. And maybe in giving this, it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. If it's not, doesn't matter. It's a good example anyway. God has spoken to me. He said, I'm going to give you a powerful ministry amongst Catholics. He said that. And he said, you will minister to them and you're going to see how much they love me. I excuse me, Lord. Um, I thought... You understood. I thought you brought the, the Protestant Reformation around here. There's a bit of theology here. I'm not going to move away from my theology. Well, the Holy Spirit is going to fall on all flesh. When I was in Poland, the meeting was full of Catholic priests asking for more of the Holy Spirit. And there was a, they told me it was a very important priest in Poland. And in Poland, there's a lot of Catholic persecution of Protestants. Did you know that? There is. But there is something happening. And this priest, and he said, please pray for me. I said, what would you like to pray? He said, I want the Holy Spirit. I want more of the Holy Spirit. And just as I was about to pray, he stopped me and said, I want you to pray. I'm, I'm letting you pray on one condition. Said, What's that condition? Pray in the name of Mary. I don't know. I know. I, you know. I don't know what he was going to say. He said, I want you to ask God, not for my sake, but for the sake of the people I minister to. Wow. You're going to have a ministry. Now, I'll tell you, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble when I start doing that. I'll tell you. I'll get in a lot of trouble from my denomination. I'll get in a lot of trouble from people when I start doing that. I know it. But I'd rather get in trouble with man and be in favor with God. Anyway, he said, you're going to meet a priest. And he gave me his name. 
That was years ago. Years ago. And I'm waiting on that. Year after year after year. When God speaks, don't rush in. Wait for his timing. There is always a moment. Moses got the timing wrong. And now God was going to rehabilitate him. Any people in need of rehabilitation today? Anybody got anything wrong? Anybody's blown it? Double deluxe, stabilo boss, blown it? Well, now is your time. John Wesley, a man whom God used, he lived in the 18th century. God used to bring a mighty revival, not just him, with others as well, right across England. He started out with this idea that God had sent him to America. I know a lot of preachers that think that, but this was before America was America. And he, was, he felt burdened to go and convert the African-American, what, what's the word? African-American, and then we have the Native American. Is it? That's the word for Indian, yes? Native Americans. And it was a disaster. He double deluxe sailed. And on the ship home, he said, I went to America to convert the Indians. But oh, who? shall convert me. Later that year, as he was in a meeting in a place in the city of London, certain meeting place in Aldersgate Street, as people were gathering together and they were reading Luther's preface to the book of Romans, and as he heard the evangelical message of the gospel, which was a message still quite dim in, in Britain at that time. Something happened. John Wesley met with God. He described this experience in which his heart was strangely warmed. And then he said this, this. He said, it pleased God to, a, to kindle a fire which I trust shall never be extinguished. You have no idea what hangs on your encounter with the living God. Something can move inside you. God wants you to seek for an encounter with Him, a revelation of who He is and what is your call on, what is His call on your life. And this is how it happened as we've been reading it. Moses is now a shepherd. He'd given up all hope of ever having a ministry of deliverance to deliver God's people. He must have been a broken man, a disappointed man, a man who had missed it. Let me tell you, it's never too late. Never too late. Whatever you have missed, whatever you think you have missed, whatever you, whatever you listen. God is here. He can sweep it all away. And He can give you a brand new day. Amen. First thing 
is that God got his attention. There he is looking after sheep and a bush begins to burn. Not unusual. Spontaneous combustion in wilderness, the heat. But what was unusual about this is he looked, the bush was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. Normally, that's just a few seconds as the bush will burn and the fire will go out. But this was continuing to burn. And as he looked at it, he said, but it's not being consumed. God got his attention. And just then, Moses said, I'm going to look at this more closely. And God saw that Moses was approaching. And he says, Moses, don't come any closer. Extraordinary. Take off your shoes where you're standing as holy ground. I understand that, don't you? But when he says, don't come any closer, it's hard to understand. Isn't everything about the Bible God saying, come closer? Approach me. I want you close to me. I want to draw closer to you. The Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. But God here to Moses said, don't come any closer. Why? Moses had to learn a lesson. And it's a lesson that was going to be the key to his ministry of deliverance. God said, Moses, you got it all mixed up. Now, here's a lesson. Here I am. I am God. That's where you are. You are Moses. Have you got it now, Moses? I am God, not you. I am Lord, not you. And that difference is all it takes for God's power to be manifested in your life. There, there are things that only God can do. And I'm a great believer in doing everything that we can do. I don't think we just sit back and say, hello, God, okay, we're in, you're ready, save London. Let me know about it in the meantime. I'll watch EastEnders. No. The stuff we must do. We preach the gospel. We invite our friends. We give in the offering. We attend the services. We study the Bible. We wait on God. Stuff we are called to do every day of our lives. But there comes a moment when we say, God, I have done what I can do. Now it's time for you to do what only you can do. And the difference between that is the difference between walking in the natural realm and experiencing the divine supernatural realm of the Holy Spirit to become an anointed deliverer. Don't come any closer. God revealed his holiness, his basic distinction. And then comes impartation. Take off your sandals. Holy ground. No barriers. No barriers between us and God. Holiness is the ground of our call. Separated unto him. Holiness is the most beautiful thing. Even though it hurts. 
the flesh hates it. Thank God we've got the best instrument against the flesh. Nail it to the cross. Katika jina la Yesu. In the name of Jesus. And then God speaks to him. And he says, I am the God who sees. I'm the God who hears. I'm the God who remembers. I'm the God who knows. And I am the God who has come. Wow. Wonderful. God is always the God who shows up. He's never late. He's absolutely on time. He's never far away. He's always ready to intervene. If only our world will recognize that. God is a very present help in time of trouble. He is only a prayer away. And even more than that, He has come. He has come down. That's what makes the Christian faith absolutely unique. And every other religious belief fall into nothingness before the presence of God manifested in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He has come down. He's always coming down to meet people, to minister to people, always looking for a body through whom he can work. When Jesus was alive on this planet, he was the body on the earth through which God moved. Now, Jesus has been resurrected and exalted and is not physically with us. No, anymore, not physically. He's with us by his spirit and one day he will come again physically, but he is physically absent, but spiritually present by the Holy Spirit. But God is not without a body. The church is the body of Christ. And the Spirit of God lives in us. And when God says, I have come down to rescue them, it is you and me who are the anointed deliverers as members together of the body of Christ. God reaches out to the world through your hands. He takes his blessing by using your feet and your mouth. And not just you individually, but us together. This is why I want more than ever before Kensington Temple people to link together in the vision that God has given to us as His body in this expression of His body in the church. We're not the only one of His body in London. We're not the only ones. We're not the biggest. We're not the best. When we, we are, but we are who we are, and we must rise up to our destiny. And every single one of you has a part to play. Each part doing its job in the body, then we will fulfill our destiny, which is to bring deliverance to this city in Jesus' name. Give him a mighty praise right now. Amen. So to me, it's astonishing. I emphasize it in the reading. God says, I've come down to deliver them, but in the next breath, now you go. I've come, you go. In other words, God was saying, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to use you to be a mighty deliverer. But at this particular point, uh-oh, now comes Moses' problems. Big problems. And he has to get over them. And uh, I don't know what your problems are, but you've got to get over them. Because God has a plan for you. Okay? 
what was his first problem? The first problem was this. He said, God, when I go and tell them the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me, they're going to ask, what's his name? Now, does that make sense to you? No, but if you were immersed in Hebrew language and Hebrew culture, you'd know exactly what it was because you'd discern the meaning of the question. What's his name? Now, some of the Nigerians would understand this because when you are given a name, it's not just a label, is it? I mean, you can have all of these long names, and I'm not going to try and remember any of them now. They're from here to the other side of the platform. And everyone has a meaning. So names are not just labels. I love that it's not just the Nigerian culture. Other cultures have that as well. Not so, so much in the British culture, although at times we do check the meaning of the name because we want to know what it means. But, but really, this is, and it's more than just, oh, that's a nice name because this is what it means. You see, the word name means revelation. What's his name means what revelation did he give you about what he's going to do for us. That's what it means. What revelation? What did he tell you? What's he going to do? What is he going to be to us? Not just what's his name. What does he sound like? No, what is he going to do? And when Moses came to present himself before the elders of Israel and said, the God of our fathers has appeared to me and his name is Yahweh, they would understand what that meant. Because the word Yahweh is uh, actually consisting of five original consonants in the Hebrew language, W, H, W, H, Yahweh, Y, H, W, H. And then the vowels come in to give us various suggestions. Jehovah was one way of doing it. But scholars really believe that Yahweh is the most likely pronunciation. And it's very hard to know because the Jews, even to this day, will not say that name. It's too holy. Four consonants, isn't it? And we know that it's connected with the v Hebrew verb to be. Haya. It's connected to the Hebrew word to be. So it's translated in our Bibles, I will be what I will be. I am that I am. And that doesn't really help us. We've got to understand what this name means. And here's where I bring it right now to what I believe God is telling us about this service in particular all our lives, but this service in particular. I think God is telling us that He's taking us on a journey of revelation and discovery and experience. That He wants to reveal Himself fresh to us. And He wants to show Himself night by night in different ways, in different colors, in a different light, in a different manifestation. But every single one of these that He is will be exactly what we need him to be. So when they said, what name 
did he give you? The question was this, what revelation of God do you carry? What revelation of God do you bring? What did he reveal to you about himself that he is going to do for us? And this is why how you and I become deliverers. We meet with God and he reveals himself to us and we experience him in that area. And then we carry that revelation. When God has healed you, you carry the revelation of healing. When God has saved you, you carry the revelation of salvation. Because you don't just talk about it. You say, once I was blind and now I see. Once I was lost, but now I am found. You carry that revelation. And when you carry that revelation, you can communicate that revelation. When you know what it is to break through from a spirit of depression and oppression into joy, then you carry that revelation because you say, hey, I used to be there. I know exactly what you're going through, but God saved me. God set me free, and I can minister to you. When you uh, have been struggling under a spirit of poverty, and you are always lack too much month left at the end of your money, and not whatever you did, it just didn't happen, and you got on your knees and you broke through in the spirit to a place of divine supply and provision. That's the revelation of God you carry. And you can impart that. This is how God works. And so Moses said, I carry this revelation. Our God is a mighty deliverer. And he is going to release us from this country. He's going to take us out of the house of bondage. And he's going to do so with signs and wonders and marvelous miracles. And he's going to lead us into the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. That's who he is. Yes, he is. So the first question is, who are you? And it was like a kind of barrier. I can't go because I don't know who you are. Well, God said, I'll tell you who I am. That's who I am. I will be for you and your people whatever you need me to be. And right now you need me to be a deliverer. And I'm going to be a mighty deliverer. That's who I am. Yes, I am. And Moses says, well, okay. All right. Now, well, anyway, who am I? Who am I? And it wasn't like, well, you told me about you. Tell me about me. He said, who am I? I? I'm nobody. How can you possibly stumble at who you are? Because it's not Moses who you are. It's Moses who God is. It's not who am I. It's who he is. And God said, I've covered it. I will be with you. Next thing, well, when I go, they're not going to believe me anyway. God said, I got it covered. Chapter 4 talks about this. It says, what's in your hand? A rod. Take it. Throw it on the ground. And it became a snake. Pick it up again. It became a rod. Take this and with it work miracles. From that moment, it became the rod of God. No longer the rod of Moses, the rod of God. Power. Three miracles. Put your hand to your chest. Bring it out again. It's leprous. Praise God. Put it back again. Clean. Amen. They don't believe the first sign. They believe the second one. 
What's the second one? Well, that's the second one. What's the third one? Take some water, pour it on dry ground, it becomes blood. So we have got three miracles. All these are very important. To a shepherd, the rod is so important. This is his identity. This is his identity. Oh, listen to me. God grant your ears to hear. Because I can't tell you apart from the Holy Spirit. Some of the things that you hold on to the most as your identity, that's the very thing he wants you to let it go. For some people, it's having a mighty ministry. I was like that many moons ago. Not like that anymore. I discovered that I don't have a ministry, but the Holy Spirit does. When I was trying to exercise my ministry, the Holy Spirit said, well, get on with it. When I just said, God, I give up, I haven't got a ministry, he said, exactly. You haven't, I have. It's not your ministry, it's my ministry. So many people get this wrong. They're trying to get and create their identity by having a ministry, by being somebody important. And you can tell the way they walk around. Stuttering, I have a ministry. I'm trying hard. <laughs> You're doing a good job. I, and I tell you, where I'm not doing it, you are. <laughs> you can tell these strutting cockerels everywhere. Oh, yay, verily the flesh stinketh. It's stinking flesh. Die! Die! That's how you have a ministry. Die. I've had so many trouble with, so much trouble with people like this. You don't recognize our ministry. I said, for sure, I hope, hope I don't recognize your ministry because you haven't got one. You haven't got a, how dare you insult me? God, I said, no, you haven't got a ministry. The Holy Spirit has. Get that sorted out, then we can talk. Now, it's a paradox, isn't it? Because the moment you lay it down, God gives it to you in a whole new way. It's extraordinary. But why snake? Why a snake? I'll tell you why. Because the serpent, the snake, the cobra was the symbol of Egypt. And Moses had to pick it up again. He had to pick up his call. When he threw the rod down, it became the symbol of Egypt. And God said, pick it up. He had to wrestle with his failure. It's so hard to take it up again when you've tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed. But God says, lay it down and pick it up. And when you pick it up, I will restore to you what you think you've lost forever. Give him a mighty praise. Hallelujah. Put your hand in your chest and pull it out. It's leprous. What's God saying to you? Nothing good is in here. It is only the good that he puts there. Not by our own virtue or might or strength or holiness or effort. It does not work. It's got to be God. When he takes out that old heart and gives us a new heart by the Holy Spirit, then we have something that will bring healing to the nations. And the third sign was to take water out and pour it, and it became blood. Only the blood of Jesus. 
Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse from sin. It is only the blood that breaks bondage. Only the blood that brings blessing. Only the blood that sets people free. If you want to be a deliverer, learn the power of the blood. Hey, Moses isn't finished. Three excuses. Who am I? I'll be with you. Who are you? I am. They won't believe me. Three signs. Another one. Oh, I'm not eloquent. I'm not eloquent. I, I, you know, it's almost as if he had a speech impediment. That's what, no, that's what he's complaining of here. And God says, I made the tongue. I made the tongue. I will teach you. And then Moses gives out the excuses and says, here are my Lord, send somebody else. Read it, verse 4, 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. Lord, send somebody else. And God said, no, I'm not going to send somebody else. I'm sending you, but you won't go alone. Aaron, your brother, will go with you. Partnership. Partnership. These people who believe they can hive themselves off from the body of Christ and move as solos, artists in the kingdom of God. Forget it. Forget it. You are part of a body. Many are called. And many are sent. But some just took a microphone and went. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Please send somebody else. No, I'm not going to send. Now God had finished. So said, okay, end of discussion. No more argument. My patience has run out with you. Moses, get on with the job. I've given you everything you need. And you go. And I will use you. And then from that moment onwards, Moses began to experience what it means. The revelation of his name. If only we'd understand this. God's name is not a label. And it's not just his character, it's based on his character. But his name is every aspect of his being that he has revealed to you and made available to you so that you can know him and prosper in his will and prosper in his purposes and arrive to your destiny. And it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. If you're in a situation, you need a word, it'll be in your mouth. If you're in a situation, you need some money, it'll be in your hand. If you're in a situation, you need some wisdom, he'll give it to you. It's in his name. It's in his name. You will go empty of self, but if you go in his name, you will have everything you need. And it won't be just relying on experience. Look, yeah, I've done it before. I'll do it again. No, every time you step up, you step up empty. And you say, God, if it's, if it's not you, it's not going to happen. 
please, show me your name. Reveal your name. And this is going to give us, and I'm not just restricting it to Sunday evenings, you understand me? It's for all of our lives at all, all times. But I think in these Sunday evenings, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to do that. If we wait on Him, we're going to discover that He's going to show us who He is. He's going to equip you for your destiny. And I tell you, you may be in London for six weeks, six months. Don't miss a Sunday night here. You may have been in London for 10 years. Don't miss a Sunday night here. Because we are going to see God move in power. And it's going to be the revelation of His name. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome.